0: Find Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Hi, Joe. And Andy Leonatti.
2: <laughs> Hi, Joe. Are you feeling a lot better today?
1: I am 110%. <laughs> thank you. That's good. awesome. Everybody's ready to rock. Yeah. Yes.
0: On our way to being fully vaccinated. And yeah, feeling pretty good. The sun's shining. Um, today, we're discussing what is probably one of the most hotly debated parts of the Constitution. Uh, My high school history teacher used to call it the right to wear sleeveless shirts. That's right, because it's the right to bear arms. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to share that as I was preparing for this episode that just kept replaying in my mind. And I'm thinking, oh, man, just and he used that joke more than once.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a gem. You got to go to that again and again. Yeah. We love teachers on this podcast.
0: Oh, absolutely. Corny
1: jokes and all.
2: No, teachers are totally lame, <laughs> and, oh
0: you ta- and you should put
2: thumbtacks and you should put thumbtacks and whoopee cushions on their chairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you think any high schoolers are listening to our podcast, you are kidding yourself, sir. I know. <laughs> so, regardless of your opinion on guns, I think we can all agree that the Second Amendment has become one of the most talked about pieces of the Constitution. But interestingly, at least to me, being a complete nerd. The Supreme Court didn't examine it all that closely until the 2000s. I actually
2: want to say that I am completely <laughs> unfamiliar with the Second Amendment and I don't know <laughs> what it says at all.
0: Exactly and so that, that's what I wanted to talk about today was what the actual words of the Second Amendment are and what they mean. Okay so I guess let's start with what the Second Amendment says and I think just to get this out of the way As someone who makes their living as a writer, it really bugs me the way this is written because it's not really a complete sentence, but that's neither here nor there. So Second Amendment says, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay, so what does that actually mean?
2: I guess, yeah, if somebody wrote that sentence (laughs) and it got in front of my red pen... Yeah. I don't know how I would even begin to mark that up.
0: (laughs) Good. Okay. I'm glad it's not just me.
2: All due respect to the founders.
0: Right. (laughs) So many historians agree that the primary purpose of the Second Amendment, at the time it was passed anyway, was to prevent the need for the United States to have a standing army by allowing local militias to keep and bear arms, quote unquote. And so over the years, two arguments emerged as far as what the second amendment does one emphasizes the first half of the amendment arguing that the second amendment is meant to protect states rights to maintain formal organized militia units and the other emphasizes the latter half of the sentence arguing that the second amendment protects individuals in the ownership possession and transportation of firearms and for many years the supreme court was largely silent on this issue And it wasn't until 2008 that it came down firmly on the side of the individual rights theory in um, District of Columbia versus Heller, which I think, Joe, are you going to take us a little deeper into that case?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, Laura, like you mentioned, there's really two separate clauses in the Second Amendment and Justice Scalia, who wrote the majority Uh, opinion, basically called that first clause a prefatory clause that does not affect the operative clause, namely the individual right to bear arms. Now, the issue in Heller was that DC passed a law saying that in order to keep a handgun in your home, you had to have it disassembled or not functioning. And Scalia's opinion was that since the Second Amendment provides this right, and since the handgun is the quintessential self-defense weapon. DC's law violated the Second Amendment and the state did not have the right to prohibit you from having a functioning firearm in your home. So yeah, it gets back to kind of the weird language of the Second Amendment and which part of it you emphasize. And Scalia and other justices who support his judicial philosophy really prioritize that second clause and that's kind of where we're at now. There's been some other developments. For example, we're not entirely sure what the Second Amendment means to guns outside of the home, and so that's what a lot of recent legislation is getting after, is what right do you have to carry a gun on your person? What right do states have to limit where you can transport guns and how you can transport guns? And so there's a lot of different cases in the works. And the Supreme Court has really punted on most of this. Um, Like you said, Laura, the Supreme Court has been pretty reluctant to weigh in on this issue throughout our country's history. Mm -hmm. And they're really continuing to do so. They punted on a case out of the second district last term. New York ended up uh, revoking the law that they were trying to to regulate handguns with. And so the Supreme Court said, no, we're not going to take it. Um, but there are lots of other cases in the works. There's one out of the Ninth Circuit that the Supreme Court could take up. And Fine Law has just learned that we got a new Supreme Court justice on the bench. Breaking. What? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so big news. And so, yeah, now that we've got the uh, different court makeup. It's fairly clear that four justices are very eager to tackle Second Amendment cases now, and Mm -hmm. it's anticipated that Justice Barrett is as well. And so we may hear the Supreme Court weigh in on guns outside of the home sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. But as of yet, nothing concrete.
0: Yeah, something I wanted to bring up about about the Heller opinion is that it, you know, they, they made the decision. They said, okay, Second Amendment applies to individual gun rights, but they worked pretty hard to kind of, I guess, encapsulate that and say, well, okay, so we've made this pretty big decision, but very limited. And the opinion specifically says that it does not prohibit laws that prevent certain people from owning guns, such as felons or people with certain mental health conditions. And it also doesn't mean that there can't be penalties for carrying firearms in schools and government buildings. And it also doesn't prohibit Congress from regulating the sale of guns. And so, yeah, I just think it's interesting that they sort of went out of their way to say, okay, we're gonna weigh in on this, but we're only gonna say this one thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then the only other case really that they took was the, the twenty ten case, uh McDonald v. City of Chicago, which basically just said, mm-hmm. yeah, that this applies to the states as well, but really didn't expand otherwise on the Heller ruling.
0: Right.
2: So NFL Hall of Fame punter John Roberts. <laughs>
0: Might yes.
2: might be out of luck soon. Is what you're saying?
0: <laughs> they, yeah, they might be headed for another case on this. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, uh, Justice Barrett did make news for talking about how her family owns guns during her confirmation hearing, because obviously this is a big issue for people in the Senate, mm-hmm. and so I think that was very appealing to hear for some senators and a red flag for other senators
0: right well people are just very split on this issue and you know even in the supreme court like we brought up mcdonald versus city of chicago which was a pretty straightforward case just deciding whether the heller decision applied to the states as well as the federal government but even that decision was five to four
1: yeah (laughs) it's
0: very much split and it's not as simple as i have a right to own whatever gun i want and it's in the constitution it's like well that's not exactly what it says, and it's it all kind of comes down to how the Supreme Court interprets it.
2: Right. To be clear, you can't just own a tank or or <laughs> right. or, a, or or a or a rocket launcher.
1: Don't tell me what to do, Andy. <laughs>
2: you could, as I was studying earlier this week, there are ways that you can actually come to acquire what are known as fully automatic weapons. Before before anybody starts typing up an email telling me that I'm <laughs> conflating the difference between semi-automatic and automatic and assault, first off, I'll just say this. I don't care. You can email me. I don't care. As someone who does not own guns, but fully supports people's right to own certain types of guns... I don't care, (laughs) Um, but you can own certain fully automatic firearms manufactured before May 19th, 1986. So I think there are ways that you could, say, acquire a rocket launcher that was used in World War II, but whether you would be able to brandish that, say, or open carry that, I think Mm -hmm. that... You have to consult your your state's uh, <laughs> your state's re- regulations.
1: We we don't give legal advice on this show, but we don't give legal. But adv- don't don't no that that will get that especially. will get you in trouble if you go around brandishing <laughs> a rocket launcher. I I feel confident right. in saying that.
2: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, especially if you didn't have the proper uh, revenue stamp from the Department of Treasury allowing you to own such a weapon (laughs) as well. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) basically what I was trying to get at there, dear listener, is that the regulations of fully automatic weapons are incredibly confusing. Mm -hmm. And whether you can or cannot own a fully automatic firearm is very, uh, very difficult for me to understand. I did a lot of reading about it this week and it was, it was confusing to say the least, Mm -hmm. but I am not a lawyer.
1: No, I, no, that's a (laughs) completely, I am a lawyer and (laughs) it's confusing. That's a completely legitimate (laughs) point. If you look at a video or a a picture of a gun that's legal under the law and a very, very similar gun that is not somebody like me would not understand the difference between the two of them. So Mm -hmm. I, I totally get what you're saying there. Okay.
2: Yeah. And then you get into guns like sawed off shotguns that are apparently illegal
0: yeah, that was the, the one other big, well, really the only other Supreme Court decision relating to the Second Amendment. And it's from 1939. It's United States versus Miller. In that case, the Supreme Court sustained a law that required the registration of sawed off shotguns. So they weren't exactly outlawed at that point. And what's interesting about that case is that it comes down on, I guess, the other side of of the argument that we were talking about earlier, where the the court put more emphasis on the first part of the second amendment, finding that the obvious purpose of the second amendment was to ensure quote, the effectiveness of civilian militias, should they be called upon. And their, their rationale was that if, if we're going to have state militias, they're going to be comprised of people who are physically able of, you know, showing up when called and they're going to be expected to have their own guns And they found that there was no evidence to show that at that time, the possession or use of a shotgun with a barrel less than 18 inches long had a reasonable relationship to the preservation of a well-regulated militia. And that was pretty much it.
2: Wow. But
0: I I think that's what's so wild to me is that like (laughs) the Supreme Court weigh in on this issue is three cases and it's in 1939 and then nothing until 2008.
2: So in that case, though, they 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 clearly focused on the militia part of the right instead of what Justice Scalia kind of argued for.
0: Exactly. And I think you know one of the things that gets talked about with Heller is that they were sort of relying on this like, I don't really understand how, how you can have, I guess, new legal scholarship. You know, history kind of is what it is. But apparently there was some sort of new research at the time relating to the origins of the Second Amendment. And that helped lead the majority in Heller to the conclusion that the rights contained in the Second Amendment did attach to individual citizens, which the the dissents definitely went after in McDonald. You had Ginsburg, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Stevens, um, and I believe it was Justice Stevens' final decision as uh, before his retirement, arguing that that sort of legal scholarship or the this new new historical information wasn't accurate or wasn't enough to come down on the side of individual rights.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the question that you have to ask is if the first part of the Second Amendment doesn't in some way, modify the operative clause, the right to bear arms, then what is it doing there?
0: Exactly.: So
1: yeah. you know, you still have to kind of get around that question. That being said, it's it's not the most tortured reading of a legal text that I've ever seen a judge make. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> yeah, that is true.
1: uh now, now that we've
2: set the table with the history. I guess we can talk a little bit about what comes next for the second amendment. We are in the midst clearly of another spate of mass shootings. There have been, uh, five in five weeks. I think Mm -hmm. this is being recorded on the 16th and the shooting in Indianapolis happened late the night before. And so there is renewed interest in the regulation of the possession of certain kinds of firearms, but I am just here to say right now that nothing on that is going to happen. Yeah, any sort of renewed calls for an assault weapons ban, I don't know how that would happen. i don't I don't foresee any scenario, even even the scenario of eliminating the legislative filibuster. <laughs> I do not foresee a scenario for that happening in any sort of law. Along those lines, making it through, making it through the current Congress, maybe not even in the House, which is closely divided. It would take, I think, it would even take a lot of arm twisting to get through the House before it got to the Senate. So that being said, what has happened so far is that in March, the U.S. House has passed two bills. Uh, the first one called the Bipartisan Background Checks Act did pass with eight Republican votes. Now, what that one does is it essentially expands background checks on those seeking to purchase or transfer firearms. Basically, anyone who is not a federally licensed firearm dealer who wants to sell or trade a gun would need to have a licensed firearms dealer run a background check. This goes further than earlier proposals to close the, quote, Gun show loophole mm-hmm. um, or the internet sale loophole. In that, if I wanted to sell a gun privately, say to my friend Laura, I would have <laughs> to I would have to go to Joe, the federally licensed firearm dealer, and he would have to run a background check on Laura. Mm-hmm. This does go further than simply closing the gun show loophole, which is running background checks on all types of commercial gun transactions.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Does it do anything for the ones that you assemble yourself? Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: I do the ghost guns. Yes. Where we'll we'll get to ghost guns. It does, oh, okay. It does Sorry, not. I'm getting ahead it does, of myself. It does, it does not address <laughs> ghost guns, but we'll okay. we'll we'll get there. <laughs>
0: okay.
2: And then the other bill that the House passed was the Enhanced Background Checks Act. That one passed with two Republican votes. That one closes the quote Charleston loophole. Which it extends the background check review period from three days to 10 days. Um, now, gun advocates argue that the three day period keeps the pressure on the government not to slow walk a gun transaction. Mm-hmm. So if the 10-day period lapses a purchaser would have to ask the FBI to complete a background check before receiving authorization. So this goes this again goes much further than the 3-day background check which after the, the end of the 3-day period if the government does not complete the background check the sale goes through anyway. Mm-hmm. This one I would say the uh, yeah the odds of this one passing in the Senate are incredibly unlikely. That one's called the Charleston loophole because the human scum who committed the mass shooting in Charleston, South Carolina earlier this decade, he had basically eluded a background check sure. mm-hmm. in the time that he was able to purchase his gun. The first the first bill that I talked about, I would say that there is there is a faint glimmer of hope in that one passing. Uh, Ch- Chuck Schumer, the majority Senate majority leader, has said that that one will come to the floor for a vote of the Senate. I would say just using my own guesstimation as someone who's been around on the Hill and kind of knows how these things work, probably the best chance, again, of anything actually passing and becoming law would be a revival of what is called the Toomey Mansion amendment that's named after Senator Pat Toomey, a Republican of Pennsylvania and Joe Manchin Democrat from West Virginia kind of the man the man in the middle on every th- on every major issue right now <laughs> yep. they worked long and hard on this amendment uh, in the wake of the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School. This amendment it did have bipartisan support it expanded the background checks to gun shows and internet sales. It did not require them of family members and friends selling and giving gifts to one another. It even loosened restrictions on interstate sales by licensed dealers, um, which which is currently limited to shotguns and rifles. Um, it's favored by Joe Manchin much more than a House Universal background check bill. That at the time probably resembled the best chance of passing any sort of new regulation on the sale of of guns. The NRA will still deny this, but Joe Manchin and Pat Toomey worked very hard to get NRA support and they had it and then they walked away. And then that amendment died in the Senate. And those two are still around. They both still kind of repeatedly talk about being willing to bring that proposal up again if joe manchin doesn't favor running background checks on private transactions between family members it's not going to pass the senate so i would say the the most likely chance of passing anything would be this toomey manchin amendment that would just expand background checks to basically essentially cover all commercial sales in the wake of mass shootings a couple of weeks ago in georgia and colorado president biden issued an executive order kind of taking what limited steps he could to limit access to certain types of firearms and implements. So that executive order tasked the Justice Department to issue a proposed regulation within 30 days to stop the proliferation of, quote, ghost guns, which are essentially a a kit containing nearly all of the components and directions for finishing a firearm quickly and These are turning up more at crime scenes, um, and they are hard for law enforcement to trace because they don't have a serial number. So there will be a forthcoming regulation on that. There will also be a proposed rule coming from DOJ within 60 days to more closely regulate a device that's marketed as a, quote, stabilizing brace This was used by the shooter in Boulder. It essentially allows you to make a pistol, kind of hold it to your arm and make it more stable, allowing for better better accuracy um, and allowing it to remain concealable, which is essentially what he did. DOJ will also be publishing a model red flag law that they will kind of recommend for state legislatures to pass. And as we know how this is going to go, I mean, some states some states will pass it, many won't.
1: With the executive order, would that prevent uh, 3D printed guns?
2: It, it doesn't specifically address 3D printing of guns, but that kind of goes hand in hand with the ghost gun issue. It doesn't specifically mention 3D printing, okay. but I would assume something in that proposed rule, stay tuned for that. Because I'm sure we will write about it at FindLaw on <laughs> mm-hmm. FindLaw.com.
0: <laughs> Good plug. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of FindLaw's Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. This same teacher would... uh When he would tell us what was for lunch that day, he would say, you better make sure you bring a jacket because it's chilly. (laughs) There you go. Shout out to my high school social studies teacher.